You're listening to Code Punk with Bill Ahern and Michael Zool, a podcast about the intersection between programming, technology, and the digital lifestyle. For all those who are actually um, listening to this, we're in a VR world right now, so you might want to head over to YouTube and actually check out the video, or are you going to be a little lost? We are trying yeah. a completely different setup right now. I'm actually sitting in front of a regular microphone instead of my lapel, so I can guarantee you that I'm going to bump into it a million times. And I know Bill is probably hearing some reverberation from my microphone. I'm hearing some reverberations from his, but in theory, our audio ought to be clean. Or it could completely yep. crap That's out because we're in the middle of Facebook, Facebook Horizon, that is. And uh, yeah. it'll be a mess, but you'll get to see what a mess is. So here we are. Yeah. And of yeah, course, this, this is, is sort of like code punk. Go ahead. What's that? This is code punk interrupt each other because we don't know when our sentences end because <laughs> of the reverberation. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is like the new, like new version, version three, I guess, uh, you know, kind of, you know, we were doing the, the VR stuff the last season and now we're, we're trying to sort of hone it. We're going to develop our own space uh, that other people can eventually come visit and hang out. Um, I don't know if we would actually have people while we're recording that might be messy but uh, a space that otherwise people can come hang out in when we're not here recording yeah so this is season six and at the end of the last season we said we were going to hop into vr we were going to stay in vr we were going to have shorter seasons uh, but hopefully higher quality episodes and i think with this season with this year after the uh, uh, dumpster fire it was 2020 um we started thinking about ways that we can, I don't even say make this unique, but because we're going to have less episodes, make them uh, more cohesive together. And I'm not saying doing something like a serial, um, but I think we are going to have a, a theme that carries throughout the season. And a lot of the episodes that uh, Nerathustra, that's because you can see your name right, right on front of you, Nerathustra, <laughs> in your party. So Bill, one of the, um, a lot of the themes that or a lot of the episodes, I should say, that Bill wrote down episode ideas really have to do with the collision between the digital and the physical world and the emulation of the physical inside of the digital. And as we come towards the hopefully tail end of this pandemic, um, we'll be able to reflect on how the collision between the digital and the physical has affected things moving forward. And so, like Bill said, here we have a, a pretty empty Facebook horizon um, world or or party, whatever they're calling it. Of course, last season we were in Allspace VR. Allspace VR is owned by Microsoft. Microsoft's been doing a lot of events inside of Allspace VR. Bill created this room inside Facebook Horizon. Facebook Horizon is still in beta. Um, and throughout this season, you'll see it grow and change, hopefully, and uh, it'll turn into a nice little cozy space. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've actually got, uh, just in terms of the space that we're standing in, um, for I have a mind mapper. And so the, the, the district that we're standing in right now, I've got one building. This will actually eventually be the OCP building. Um, so we've got districts. So we're right now we're standing in the corporate district, and then there's a consumer district. We've got the Kowloon district, which is a little more dangerous. It's where you buy your cyberware, your hardware, your tattoos. We've got a warehouse district. Uh, which is basically factories. And then this center place right over here will be the Code Punk Plaza. Um, what's going to happen is eventually I'm going to change this building to have a kind of um, just pillars. You could stand underneath of it and it'll be like, a, I was thinking maybe like a fake bar or a coffee shop or something, but um, that'll probably be all glass walls that you can walk into. And that'll be the main social hub um, when and if people ever you know want to come hang out here with us or just hang out in general. 
Now I'm pretty stationary because I'm sitting at my desk, even though I don't look like I'm sitting at the desk. But one of the things that all of you that are watching this on YouTube, I want you to pay attention to is look at the fluidity of Bill's movements, especially specifically his arm movements when he's explaining things. So in alt space VR, it's a little more rigid, but take a look at the arms and specifically like the elbows. I, I think whatever algorithm they're using, um, it's really not using static points. It's really trying to be really fluid as he does the Macarena. Um, one of the yeah. things that one of the things I'll bring up real quick is I was I was playing around in somebody else's world the other day and the battery on my left controller ran out. And what that ended up doing was um, it actually left my left arm up behind my head and it was just kind of floating there and really like weird and stringy like <laughs> I was, you know, plastic man or something. Um, but also pay attention to Bill's face because go ahead and, and open your eyes again. Like do, do the thing. I don't know how I open my eyes, but well, you just did a thing where like your eyes actually like they like like got real wide and then closed. Yeah, yours are doing that too, and I wonder if maybe it has something to do with the way that we're talking and it's interpreting something through like mo vocal intonations. Because obviously, the lip syncing is to me one of the most impressive things. Um, that kind of blows my mind. I don't know how it's working for me, but Mike, when I watch you, it's fairly. I mean, it's pretty decent. There are video games that aren't even doing this this well, you know. Um, so that's really cool. It's really neat uh, what they're doing with the technology here. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. You know, I really, uh, you know, I was kind of going back and forth between alt space and this horizon. And um, one of the things that I thought was really cool about horizon, despite the limitations, because you're very limited. All right, let me back up. So with alt space, Microsoft's virtual meeting space you can import 3d objects you have a lot more flexibility you can import textures images so you can create pretty much any world you can visualize which is awesome but it's also a very high barrier to entry for people who aren't 3d graphic designers or don't know how to do that and then bring it into the world and and put it together the tools in other words aren't Beautiful, like aren't great in alt space, but here in Horizon, even though you're limited with some pretty primitive shapes, you have a lot of flexibility with lighting to create a dynamic space. Even though you've got basic shapes, um, like for example, the the curbs here are they have rounded cubes. So I basically just use I flattened out rounded cubes to make sidewalks and for the curbs. Um, so even though it's very basic, the controls for building the worlds are really nice. They're pretty intuitive if you've ever worked with. Um, 3D graphic, uh, 3D editors, um, like object editors like Maya or 3D Studio Max. And even if you haven't, they're intuitive enough that you can get by. So the buildings, what I did, I, I, this is like the third or fourth iteration, this space. And I started out a little, little over ambitious as I tend to do. So what I did was I basically came back and there is an actual underground. So underneath of us, there's an actual sewer or a subway system. I don't know what it's going to be yet. You can't see it yet because I don't have an entry to it. Um, Mike would be able to see it if he went into edit mode and kind of zoomed out, but it's just basically, I don't know, it's, it's, it's pretty high. Maybe like in our world, it's probably like maybe four or five meters. Um, and, uh, or no, it's not that high. Uh, but, um, I would say it's probably about, yeah, no, maybe four or five meters. It's high enough. Um, but the tools are such that you can kind of snap things together really nicely. So what I finally decided to do is just create a grid. You know, I just kind of went like my, I put my web developer hat on. I said, all right, well, let me create a basic grid and I've got all my cells here and then I can just go block by block editing it based on 
the sort of style of the district, right? Because I mentioned before, these are districts. The corporate district, I even wrote down all my notes. The corporate district will have basic white lighting. It'll be much cleaner. The Kowloon district, if anyone's familiar with Kowloon City, the walled city, uh, which is no longer there, um, that's going to be dirtier. It's going to have a lot of neon. It's going to be kind of trashier, right? So you're going to have a bit of a personality. And the tools allow you to do that in a very simple way. You could also do it and create a much more complex world in alt space, but again, the tools are way more complex and a little kludgy, I thought. Um, I didn't I didn't quite pick up on them as quickly as I picked up on the Horizon tools. So it's really exciting. If this thing takes off, it's gonna be amazing. And of course, you know, obviously Facebook is really banking on this. They're looking to create a virtual world basically a virtual representation probably of the physical world like like just a giant world space not not a metaverse or a magic verse like magic leap was trying to do with their ar but one of the things i did want to bring up real quickly is you notice like if i bring up my wrist the controls pop up and um it's pretty intuitive as far as bringing it up you bring up the controls and i might be a little far away from my mic i'm sorry i got my hand in front of my face let me move a little bit closer um and and you know you just press the buttons and things pop up right and the reason why I bring that up is because there was an article recently about Facebook's AR initiative, and they talked about creating bracelets or wrists controls that go around your wrist in order to uh, help you navigate and control the AR portion of, of whatever they're building on their AI side. And, and so don't think for a minute that it's not um, just a coincidence that the controls in Facebook Horizon are on your wrist and then in this new you know patented or whatever whatever they were talking about in this news article, the AR wristbands um, are, are also on your wrist. I, I think that one, they, they think it's more intuitive and they think it's more in tune uh, because of the nerves in your hands and everything and talking about haptic feedback. But I think you are going to see a blending between their AR initiative and their VR initiative um, in order to create a kind of seamless world between the two. And, and Mark Zuckerberg, he's all in on it. I, I could see a future in the next five years where he essentially steps aside from Facebook in general, from the Facebook social network and concentrates almost solely on uh, research and innovation inside of the VR space. Yeah, he, he definitely is uh, really big on it. And despite all of his flaws as a leader, I'm really glad that he's putting his, the might of Facebook behind this uh, technology and this, uh, this space because it's fantastic. You know, it really is amazing. Another thing I kind of wanted to point out, and it's it's not something that the the anybody who's watching can see, but so the Oculus Quests, um, right by the nose here, you know, you, there's like, in the real world, you can kind of look down and see through the hole, right? Where th there's a little bit of a, a, a notch for your nose to sit. And you can look down. So if you look down and you put your hand in there, and then you sort of bring your hand into view in VR, it lines up nearly perfectly, like nearly perfectly. And it's amazing. And when you, and this is, this is less of a horizon thing and more about, this is one of the things I think is so cool about Oculus, is if you just use the hands-free, um, uh, tool, right? Because now for people who don't know, you can also put the controllers down and if you activate it in the settings, you can actually have the cameras on the Oculus track your hands and you get full, like you can actually see like a ghost ghosts of your hands where it does full tracking, you know, like you, you manipulating your fingers, doing whatever you want and it's getting all of it. Whereas here you can do a point, you know, finger guns, you can point, you can fist, all that stuff. Uh, but it does full hand tracking. It's really neat to look out into the real world, bring your hand up and actually see it. Like it's, locked onto it it's really cool i love that i just think that's really neat but of course i would love it because this is something i've been dreaming about since i was a kid 
Now, why don't you show some of the controls? Because you've been building this world. I mean, earlier you kind of shot yourself into the stratosphere as, uh, as giant man. Yeah. Um, and, and so anybody <laughs> watching on YouTube will, will get to see that. But, um, you know, Bill's going to go over some of the, the brief control, just something real, real brief and small, just to show some of those things you were talking about. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. I'll do that now. So um, I looked down. So on my, um, from my perspective in the video, you'll see the controls are always, there's always these little, uh, when you're in normal worldview, just get this one, build. So I go to build and here I am, giant build. Let me zoom down like, like apocalypse. All right. So anyway, <laughs> um, and here you can see the, uh, the sewer or the underground, I don't know what it is, you've got this layer. Now you got this bright blue thing down here. That blue thing, I just spread it out, um, is actually the sound effect. So uh, Mike might hear a bit of like a background noise. So what that is, is it's a, it's a, it's an effect that I've added. So everywhere you go, you kind of have this city at night sound effect. Um, and then uh, that thin layer up there is the sewer. And then of course you've got these buildings, right? So I thought that I had kept some spares, but let me just, uh, duplicate this guy so now i've got a duplicate of one of the buildings and this is what i was talking about with the controls oops i keep duplicating i want to do that and the first thing i do when i'm building the darkness here is just going to be the actual uh that's going to be part of the world but that's not actually what we want when we're building because it's too dark the other nice thing is so we've got these panels that are settings you you can make them as big as you want so you can kind of see i'm gonna go back to daytime Ooh, that's bright um, leave it there. I put that out. So this way it's easier for me to see when I'm building. And now you can get a better sense of that layer I was talking about with the underground. And here's just a basic cube that I colored and created. And what happens is I typically take this and I'll add pieces and I'll resize it, um, to actually make a building. Like for example, here, this tall one, obviously it's just a few different shapes I put together. And then here, you know, you can stretch it, move, you can move it along its axis. You can stretch it with that control. And it's the same thing on all sides. So you have a real simple, nice way of manipulating physically, right? So there's Mike. And now I can, I can zoom around. And now if I want to look at the properties of this, and this is how I did it. I bring up the property panel. And what I did was I went to the attributes and I just used numerical positioning. Again, like I said, I put on my web developer cap and I just started using numerical positioning because it was a real pain in the butt to move this stuff around. Now, one yeah, of the things I've I hope they that. do eventually, yeah, one of the things I hope they do add is like a save state where almost like a, like not a Git branch, but like I can do a bunch of stuff, mess up a bunch of stuff and then revert back to a particular state. Like I go back to a just certain a history, state. Yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. A history would be good. Um, but because the controls are so easy to use, it's not that big of a deal. Um, and then of course, you know, you get all these other things. So you can, uh, you can duplicate, you have the properties, which brings up this panel here. If you want to paint, there we go. I have eyedropper. So if I want to, if I want to color everything, the same color as a particular object, I'll, I can just eyedrop it, grab that color, paint it. Um, what I lock this, you can also lock things in place, which is great. And I apologize to uh, anybody where I randomly ran into my microphone and my desk while trying to zoom out on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's locked. There we go. Unlocked. Now I want to paint. 
So, and then um, I guess the other useful thing is, let me delete some, oh, what is that? Grow the cursor. Oh yeah, so the cursor here is how you select things. I can select the whole city and kill it in one swoop, which would make me sad because it took me hours to get that together. But um, I'll make that cursor small. Um, the other thing is, why is that not coming up? Still in beta. Yep, still in beta. Just every time I've logged in, I've had to update the application and something changes every time. Which you know. Yeah, it does update a lot, um, which is great. Actually, I'm not complaining. That means they're constantly adding features, squashing bugs. So here's what I wanted. So um, there is the build panel. So we've got sounds, tons of sounds. I honestly think they could be organized a little bit better because you have to scroll through a lot of sounds to find what you want. Um, and that's it. It's a lot of, you know, you got sound effects, background sounds like you're hearing now, um, music, and you have all kinds of like little event sounds, right? So when you, I could set up a script so that when a new user comes into the world, it could be like, you know, play that. Um, shapes are the basic primitives that you would use to create stuff. Not a ton, like I said. You got all your basic stuff. If you want to make any complex shapes, you kind of just have to get good at stretching squeezing and and you know get really imaginative with how you put that stuff together and, and i've seen some those... tutorials um uh, they have a couple of them here on how to do things and i ran into one tutorial where it showed basically a forest with trees and everything looked really really neat i couldn't quite figure out how they actually built those things so i, I will say that um your idea of numerical positioning certainly is much better than actually trying to position this thing and position them correctly. Cause I could never get buildings or squares or any sort of element kind of positioned exactly where I wanted it to on a grid or on a square. So there are complexities right. to this. It looks simple when you're playing with the shapes, but they, they are, it is a little difficult to kind of first get started. Um, but once you kind of find your groove, it's a little easier to start building some, you know, something like what Bill put together here, but then there's much more, advanced things that you can do through the scripting like you mentioned um through through paint applications and lighting applications um you, there's people with full-blown worlds with games in it the the what i talked about earlier about where my battery ran out and my arm kind of froze uh behind me yeah. that was while playing uh basically an arcade game where i was shooting basketballs like one of the you know small basketball hoops so it, pretty innovative stuff that you can actually do in here at least creative stuff i'll say nothing quite innovative yet other than the actual world building yeah, and that's true. And um, and people are very clever and much better at this. It's almost kind of Minecrafty. Um, now the scripting get complicated. I mean, you're limited. So if you are actually a coder, it's not very complicated. It almost reminds me of early action script from Flash, um, when you basically just had you can put together chunks of sentences. Um, I don't know it well enough to do a kind of quick, you know. Um, high-level overview here. Uh, I could just tell you that you can build scripts. You can't write your own manual scripts. Um, but you do have a lot of options. But not a lot. Like I, Some some of the stuff that I see people in the Facebook Horizon group want to do um, or obviously want to do some like serious coding. Uh, and that makes sense, right? If you're going to write scripts, you want to do it. But these are just essential building blocks to get some basic behaviors going. Um, and I'm sure it's going to evolve over time. Like, like Mike pointed out, this is a beta. Yeah, and I think Facebook Horizon was supposed to actually launch in March of last year. And, of course, um, 
it didn't. Uh, and then they started talking about the beta invites going out. So both Bill and I signed up for the beta invites and we did eventually get those beta invites and it's been beta for quite some time now. I've been into Facebook horizon a few times where it's been kind of light on people. <laughs> so, uh, there've been not, not as many people in here as I would have anticipated, but it looks like they're really concentrating on a slow rollout to perfect the world and then kind of scale up and really giving a lot of the early adopters the opportunity to actually build the Facebook worlds for them. So it's kind of like crowdsourcing a lot of the world developments with the early enthusiasts. And I think as that begins to build up and you get, uh, you know, they figure out what the quirks are and, and, and fix them, you we're going to see a lot more uptick in uh, people building more advanced things. And then, of course, it'll be released to the general public um, especially as Facebook continues to evolve their AR and VR offerings with the different headsets. Yeah, there's giant Mike head. Stay puffed, Marshmallow Mike. Let's see if I can. Um, it's it's very. Sm I think it's very smart. I think it's a really good idea to let instead of letting a bunch of people in and then being like, okay, here it is, here's Horizon, and then people are like, oh god, we have to build our own stuff. So they go, uh. You know, instead of doing that, um, they allow a small group of people in who are very interested, the enthusiasts and early adopters. Then who, the people who remain, who stick with it, are the ones who are very passionate about it, start building worlds that make it interesting so that there's already, like you said, that you, you, you kind of have this crowdsourced world building so that when the general public comes in, there's already enough content that's interesting. Um and there's already like a lot of cool stuff now that's user made, but I still think if they stick with this and kind of do a much slower rollout like they're doing, they're going to allow the, the more clever people, the hobbyists to kind of come in and build some really cool stuff so that when it is open, it'll be much more appealing. Now, now we talked about, in fact, this was in our, our newsletter. In fact, just to, so everybody uh, remembers, <laughs> since it's been a while, um, we did take a hiatus at the end of the year, not just from the podcast, but also from the newsletter and from the website. And we rebuilt the entire website in a static site generator, uh, changed the theme to a Nord theme, made it more focused on the quality of the text rather than gigantic images, kind of took it back to, I don't know, we're old, we're getting nostalgic about a bunch of things. So it's just <laughs> back to, to when, when our, us old people were actually surfing around online. Um, but we did rebuild the, the site, you know, first new article popped up in February and now we're, it's consistency there. And one of the things we did was we merged the newsletter back into the website it was very successful but it was forcing us to put cycles you know of our brain in two different areas for content and i wanted everything to be on the internet and i wanted it to be focused on code punk um so we really kind of uh, merged the newsletter code punk has all of the content and then um you know the newsletter will just kind of show you what you missed including things when it comes to this this podcast episode as somebody just dropped something in my house, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, codepunk.io, you can go there, you can read all the articles. And of course you can find this in the podcast episode in, um, or the, the podcast in general in iTunes, Google Stitcher, we updated all the feeds. Um, but the whole reason why I bring that up is we had a newsletter about whether or not VR was dead. And of course, we discussed this a little bit in the two alt space episodes that we did. And the consensus was, of course, no, it's not. And there's a lot of innovation going on. And you just recently bought an Oculus Quest 2, correct? So why don't you tell us yeah. a little bit about the differences between the one and the two and kind of what you see as the uh, better advancements in the uh, new headset? 
I would say that um, soft on the software end of it, there aren't significant advancements. The the updates are the same. Um, any improvements that uh, happen through software happen for both units. I will say that the improvements for the Oculus Quest, it's faster, um, so things load a little faster. Um, but there aren't any games that you can play on the Oculus 2 that you can't play on the, or the Oculus Quest 2 that you can't play on the Quest 1. It's just it's um, things load faster, and because I bought the battery pack, um, which you basically swap out the sort of default straps it comes with, and you kind of put on this battery pack strap that's, that's got the battery pack in the back. Honestly, for me, the nicest thing is that battery pack acts as a counterweight to the Oculus in the front. So now I can actually sit with this thing on for much longer without um, getting, a, like, not a headache, but sometimes it's a headache. Sometimes I just feel the pressure on my face and I get uncomfortable. Um, now with the counterbalance, it's sort of all the weight goes on the top of my head. And I can, I, you know, I, I worry less about either the, the pressure on my face and just the uncomfortableness around the, the front of my face. So I would just say it's more of a physical upgrade than uh, much software, again, other than just speed. Yeah, and one of the things that we talked about in that um, in the All Space VR episodes and in that newsletter is simply that the hardware is getting there. It's becoming smaller, although the Oculus Quest 2 isn't, isn't really smaller than the Oculus Quest one but it does have um i think it has more pixelation more more uh, resolution in it it is faster and so what you're seeing is you're seeing an increase in the viability um of the actual headset itself and one of the things that people complained about is being you know you're not going to be able to you know i know oculus and facebook is trying to let you put your headset on and sit there and look like you're at work working nobody's going to do that um, that would work much better with something like a google glass or a heads-up display but to your point by adding that battery pack by having that additional count weight you're actually you know able to be more comfortable and sit longer with the headset on so just as a comparison you know this is getting pretty heavy on my face right now and i'm wearing my glasses yeah. and these glasses are a little bit bigger even though it does allow for a glasses spacer um so, but i'm feeling the heat I mean, i'm getting a little heated um and it is weighing a little heavier so to have that counterweight actually is important and the comfort level of an oculus quest or comfort level of any vr headset that you're going to put on your head is the primary thing that is the most important thing if you can put it on you can sit there for a couple of hours or longer without really noticing it or with it just kind of becomes a part of the environment around you you know that, that's a key that'll that'll create uh, greater adoption and then by increasing you know the pixelation by increasing the, the resolution increasing the speed you're just going to have a much because remember this is basically a cell phone strapped to your face right now so so as yeah. things improve um, you're going to see more games that take advantage of it. Right now, most of the games for the Oculus Quest, and again, we discussed this before, are cell phone ports to begin with. A lot of the games that are made specifically for the Oculus, a lot of the environments that are made for it, like this one, the resolution is much better. Um, the activity is much better. But a lot of the cell phone ports that become games, not so much. You get a lot of the screen door effect, um, you know, and you get some some issues with uh with pixelation or, or with speed and like youtube 360 videos eh, they're they're okay but because you just need a much higher resolution in order to enjoy them a lot of times it just looks blurry so to have that sort of advancement yeah. have you noticed any differences with some of the videos that you viewed from the oculus one compared to the oculus two because of the improvements 
No, and like you pointed out, there there's a reduction in pixelization because there's some better anti-aliasing. But this isn't like the back in the days where everyone went from like 720 to 1080p, and we were we were ushering in the you know the era of HD, where it was like, oh my god, what a difference. It's kind of blink and you miss it stuff, right? Like even even the screenshots. If you go online, you can see screenshots comparing, um, you know, games and stuff from the Oculus One and Two. And yeah, there's a difference. But when you're in the world moving around, it doesn't jump out at you. Not in my opinion. Now with the video, no, it doesn't. That's disappointing. But I also realize because it's got nothing to do with either unit. These videos are just aren't. I don't know what it is, right? I'm not I'm not a video file, but it just doesn't seem like these videos were either A really made with like quality VR viewing in mind, like almost like they were just they either look like regular videos that somehow some use like some post processor to like split the screens, you know, to do the, you know, the trick with your eyes, you know, for the depth and everything that gives the VR its VRness. Um no, they're not. They're not better. And again, it's because really the quality of the videos themselves and not the units. And that's disappointing because some of the like Oculus TV stuff, like you can go into the Quest has its own like whole media library where you can view things like roller coaster rides. And some of them are decent and roller coasters are a great thing for people to check out in VR because you still get the belly flipping, you your equilibrium is tapped into that that motion, and that's really a powerful first sort of um, first introduction, I think, to VR because you feel physically affected by it, but you know it's just virtual reality. So I think it's a really powerful way to do it. But a lot of these videos just aren't, they just aren't high quality enough to really get you immersed, right? Like, you know, they're still kind of blurry. And so I'm disappointed, honestly, with just the videos that are being presented still that are supposed to be for VR. There's a few, there's an app called Within that I highly recommend anybody who gets a VR, because um, gets a Quest, one or two, because A, it's free, and it's got a lot of high, basically high-quality videos that are shot for VR, and you can see a huge difference. There's some really, really good stuff on there. So, But even in those cases, I couldn't tell the difference between my, my Quest 1 my Quest 2 in terms of the quality of the video. It all is the same. And, you know, when I first did a roller coaster video, I was standing up. And I actually had yeah. to, uh, I had to kneel down because I actually felt like I was going to fall over uh, just because <laughs> yeah, it threw I did my too. equilibrium off. It was pretty impressive. And yes, some of those, yeah. I, I'm most disappointed in like the YouTube 360 videos. Like I said, um, I have watched some, I, watching YouTube videos in the Oculus where it's on a screen in front of you is actually pretty fantastic. Uh, same thing with standard movies. I mean, it, you know, they, we we did we did a digital shot once where I put a end cut scene of Bob Ross in big screen because that is kind of funny. You sit there and there's a handful <laughs> of people watching Bob Ross, which is that is not in high definition at all. But you're sitting there watching it, um, you know, in virtual reality, which is which is kind of fun, and it really does kind of take you back to what you thought VR possibly could have, uh, you know, been like when when we were growing up before it actually became a reality like it is today. Yeah, true. And you know, that's a good point with, uh, I guess the app is big screen is the the main one, the movie theater one. Um, I wonder if there's been an uptick. I hadn't I hadn't thought to do, do a search for it. But obviously with movie theaters closing down, the big one, a United Artists Theater, that's just a few blocks from my house that my wife and I always went to for all the movies, um, which was great because there's so many bars or there were pre-pandemic. We could walk to a bar, get a drink, go see a movie. In fact, that movie theater was the first time I met my wife on our first date, which was kind of a, 
it wasn't a blind date because we knew we were meeting each other, but we hadn't physically met yet. And that theater is now closed down. They're going to knock it down, put condos. It's very sad. Um, it's sad that you know people are losing uh, physical proximity now, where, where the digital stuff is because of the pandemic, but also I think there's a little bit of inevitability to it. A lot of people, you know, a lot of nightclubs are closing down because, um, and this I read like years ago, millennials don't go out to nightclubs as much as like Generation X did. And so a lot of night, but a lot of the popular clubs that used to be around here when I was in my twenties are no longer here. And so I wonder if there's been an uptick in not only Oculus, cause I know Oculus has actually been selling pretty well one and two, but if you know things like big screen are a big draw for people, like hey, I can still go to the movies and get that sort of movie theater experience, get sucked into the movie. I wonder if there's been an uptick. I bet you there is. Yeah, it would be interesting, and that kind of takes us to the theme of this season, which is really you know the collision of the digital and the physical. I wanted to wrap this episode up real quick. We kind of wanted to give you an in, a reintroduction of what we were doing, show you the new space that we're going to be working on, and again, the space will be it will evolve as we move through uh, the podcast episodes for this season, and and keep an ear out um, for the theme because you're going to actually hear it in other places, not just here. There has been a lot of exploration in especially within this pandemic, as far as, like Bill said, proximity, you know, what does it mean to exist in certain spaces? I mean, tons of think pieces on whether or not cities are dead, which of course we don't think cities are dead at all. Um, But there's just kind of this growth where we've been forced to live online. And as a result, it's changed us a bit. It's changed our attitudes a bit. And we're starting to think about what it would actually be like to have um, a virtual world existing alongside the physical worlds. And um, I think, proximity is a good thing for us to actually talk about in the next podcast episode kind of what that means and what that means while we're existing within you know a digital space because you and i i mean we've known each other for a long time uh, it's been what a decade since we've seen each other probably even longer i mean what was my wedding the last time we actually saw each other in person um it may have been i know that yeah i it would be probably a little less than a decade i remember i met candace Ten, almost 10 years ago. And I remember telling you after the second year of dating her that one more year, if we were still together, it's going to ask her to marry her. So, but it was around that time. It was about almost a decade was the last time I physically saw you. Yeah. Cause I think, I think I went back and forth to Pierce for a little bit and then that was yep. it. So, so yeah, so, so there's a, there's a lot to discuss there and all of that. I mean, we're going to, of course, we're going to talk about non-fungible or fungible tokens because that's just <laughs> something ridiculous going on as a, as a multi-million dollar digital nothingness. But we'll, we'll get to that when, when we get to that. And of course, um, Bill wants to explore taking the, uh, the punk out of cyberpunk and really kind of what it means. Can we, can we emulate a lot of the, uh, physical world inside of a digital space? And, and we have a couple of other areas that we want to explore like disinformation, which is kind of interesting to explore while you're sitting inside of a Facebook horizon uh, application. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> but we, but we have a handful of things. So, so the first two episodes we did in VR, we were kind of winging it and we were talking about all space VR and what it means to be in VR. And of course this first episode is a reintroduction and we're showing you the space, but we are going to get back to the actual episodes where we talk about a real discussion. And my hope is that we can actually with the video, in addition to the VR that we're recording, maybe we can uh, intersperse some clips of other things into it um, just kind of to reinforce uh, our discussion of course all of the audio is being recorded separately so that will end up uh, in the uh, podcast uh, app of your choice so if you don't want to watch the video eh, fine be that way but you'll still be able to listen to it (laughs) you got any parting words bill Uh, i have no parting words this time 
Uh, I've got to get back into the groove, but I am happy to be back. I'm happy to have something to look forward to, to kind of just divulge my thoughts and, and random ponderings about uh, the digital lifestyle. All right. Well, until next time, see everyone later. Take care, everybody. That's it for this episode of Code Punk. You can subscribe to this podcast on Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher, or listen to it on the web at codepunk.io. You can find Bill on Twitter at Norathustra and Michael on Twitter at Zool. 